one constant through all the years, Ray. Beyond the game. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You like that? You like that? That is a career ender. Just like this show. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. We would be honored if you would join us. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning to you. This is the Beyond the Game program recorded in Rochester, New York. We're glad to have you with us as we talk sports through this this next hour or so. We'll mix in some faith perspectives along the way. I'm Rick Benson, and joining me is my magnificently bearded co-host, Zach Barletta. Wow, thank you. You can follow us on your favorite social media program. Our handle is at BTG Program, or stop by our website, btgprogram.com. It seems to be a recurring theme, Zach, and one which I don't really enjoy much because I want to see them have success, but the New York Mets just continue to be in the news for things other than winning baseball games. After getting off to a slow start to start the season, star pitcher Matt Harvey going AWOL for a game, having to be suspended, then the dealing with questions surrounding the many injuries their team has endured and Really, the competence of its training staff, which only then increased with rumors of a gag order on manager Terry Collins when it comes to talking about those injuries. The team was embarrassed and forced to issue a statement of apology this week after iconic team mascot Mr. Met went rogue and flipped off fans this week at City Field. Home fans, by the way. The incident happened during the team's 7-1 loss to the Milwaukee Brewers, and video of the now infamous finger fly has been making its way around social media. In the video, Mr. Met is seen walking down a tunnel, turning around and quickly giving the middle finger to fans. It's unknown what led to the finger or what fans may have said, which prompted the mascot to respond that way. Oh, they're Mets fans. They probably deserved it. I got to be honest. <laughs> there's something about seeing the mascot flipping fans off. It was hilarious. It's humorous, but I know it's as inappropriate as all day. But in a statement posted to their Twitter account, Met said, we apologize for the inappropriate action of this employee. We do not condone this type of behavior. We are dealing with this matter internally. A Met official additionally confirmed that more than one person wears the Mr. Met costume during the course of each season and that the person who wore it on this night will not be wearing it again. Let's be honest. They're not firing this guy. No one's going to know if he's in the costume <laughs> or not. They're not going to fire him and go out looking for another guy. They're just going to slap him on the wrist and pretend like he got fired. And nobody would ever know. How, how would you know? He has those Mr. Met does, those Mickey Mouse gloves, those white Mickey Mouse gloves, but I, I guess they never realized before that he actually had fingers. I never really thought about it, but after a closer inspection, he actually has three fingers and a thumb, mm -hmm. which still provides necessary amount of digits to be able to insult your fans with an offensive salute. Mr. Met actually has an official Twitter account. I didn't know that, at Mr. Met. I checked it a couple of times, but as of the time we're recording, no reference to the incident or an apology from Mr. Met has been posted. And as long as we're all laughing at the New York Mets, somehow I miss this. But after a win over the Marlins back in the early part of May, May 4th, 5th, the Mets tweeted a picture of T.J. Rivera wearing the star of the game crown in their clubhouse. 
even the highlights for the Mets are turning into lowlights because in the background can be seen the locker room of backup catcher Kevin Plawecki, which apparently was very clearly seen in that picture, was a sex toy in his locker. (laughs) Plawecki cleared... Chalked up the incident to clubhouse pranksters, obviously very plausible, but not exactly what the Mets needed during what's already a very long season in Flushing. I think you'd rather be known for playing well on the field than all the things that they've been in the news for so far. Even the good things for the Mets like that. You're celebrating the star of the game, whatever, and it turns out there's a sex toy in the picture. <laughs> just It's just so Mets. Hang on to your butts, Mets fans, because the season's only two months old. <laughs> I forget what we were talking about recently on the air, Zach, but you had occasion to bring up Permanti Brothers sandwiches, famous around the Pittsburgh area. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you don't care for him as much as I do, but I really think he's one of the greats. And I'm talking, of course, about Doc Emmerich. Did you see or I guess hear the segment that he did for NHL on NBC where he and me Pierre McGuire go into a Paranti Brothers shop, and Emmerich gives a play-by-play of a sandwich being built. No, I haven't. Seen I, that. I thought it was very humorous. I, I just, I, it tickled me. So I'm just going to play that. This is Doc Emmerich doing play-by-play, or a portion of it anyway that we can play, of him building a Paranti Brothers sandwich. These are the hands of Mike Mitchum, six feet. 215 pounds, 37 years of age, 17 years in the service of Primanti Brothers. Class, anybody, what comes next? The fries, you're right. After that, the pieces of tomato, the coleslaw, (laughs) on top, with just enough force, gets that other piece of bread to the top, makes the wrapper go over, doubles and slides. The best announcers, it just proves they can... They can do play-by-play for anything. Mm-hmm. They can just talk their way. And that voice, it's just iconic. I, I just found that great. Coming up on today's show, the French Open is underway. So Zach and I will talk some tennis, specifically women's tennis, which is something we haven't done in a while, but is sure to garner the full attention of our listening audience. <laughs> Plus, we'll talk some NBA as we finally got into the finals and the two teams everybody knew we'd be getting all along anyway. So tell me again, why did we have to go through the regular season? And, of course, I'm a Knicks fan, so I guess I'm always asking that question. And, of course, we'll have shenanigans. You like that. We'll see whatever else we can fit in. I'm hoping to get to tell you the most awesome thing I saw this week. Stick with us over these next 52 minutes or so. Come on back after the break. This is the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. Here's the Red Hawks report for our broadcast on June 3rd, 2017. The Red Hawks report being presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Congratulations going out to junior Chelsea Hayward, who earned All-American honors after placing third in the 200-meter dash at the NCAA D2 Track and Field Outdoor National Championships. Her time of 23.72 was surpassed as her career best only by her first place qualifying time in the semifinal heat of 23.46. Hayward also competed in the 100-meter dash, finishing just outside the finals with a 10th-place finish. Robert Sr. Malcolm Shaw completed his college career at the National Championships in the Javelin event. Shaw placed 15th overall and leaves Roberts as the all-time record holder for the Red Hawks in that event with a toss of 64.56 meters. That's our Red Hawks report for this week, June 3, 2017. The Red Hawks report is presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Red Hawks 
or for the latest scores, news, and highlights, visit the RWC Athletics website, athletics.roberts.edu. This has been the Red Hawks Report, presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program. Zach Barletta and Rick Benson, mixing sports with faith. Zach, here we go once again. Once again, someone has expressed how they feel about something which they believe in, although perhaps not choosing their words real carefully so as not to offend, but somebody disagrees with that view, so immediately they condemn the person and overreact by wanting anything associated with that person to be withdrawn. Why can't people, why can't they simply just disagree? I don't need to involve myself. I don't need to comment on every situation which I disagree on. I'd be spending my entire day doing that. (laughs) Now, many people familiar with our program know that my real job is being a sports ministry director here for a church in the Rochester area, and that as part of my job, I oversee the operations of a sports complex. And forgive me, this is probably a very poor comparison because my story I'm about to tell is not nearly as important to people as a topic which we're about to get into. But anyway, I consider myself to be very eclectic when it comes to music. I have the Sirius XM radio situation there in my car, and my presets range from everything from I got the Willie Nelson station. I got the 40s channel, which I just love. I've got the 70s. I've got a classic rock channel. You're all over the place. I I am. And then now they've added this Beatles channel, which how do you not love that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I I can listen to everything from Christian rock, Christian country to classic rock to then I turn around and get down with ABBA or, you know, the (laughs) Carpenters. I, I like all of it. About the only types of music I really don't like are that heavy metal thrash music, which I know you love, <laughs> but I don't get into that. I don't like female opera, although I don't mind male opera. And I don't like rap music, most rap music. And of course, there's a few exceptions to all those rules because who doesn't get into LL Cool J's Going Back to Cali? is so good (laughs) you can't not right this is just terrific stuff so when it comes to rap music I do kind of like this we're we're easily distracted this is making fascinating radio I'm sure oh it's fast anyway I'm making my way my rounds throughout the park I'm stopping and chatting with different people I'm down at the baseball diamonds where one of the more elite teams is having a game. And there's this one cat. I, I guess he's an assistant for the team or something, although I didn't see him doing anything apart from operating one of those Walkmans or I, I guess I don't know what they, the digital version of the Walkman is. I use my phone. 
So I don't have one of those that's music only. I know there's a name for them. Just an MP3 player? I guess so. See, Walkman's a much better name, but that's sort of dated, I guess, at this point. Like I said, mine is my phone, but this guy wasn't using his phone. Anyway, he's playing this hard-driving music between innings, and every time one of his players steps to the plate, he's playing walk-up music. And either by his choice or these kids' choices, they're all personalized. By the way, the kids were under 10. This is a 10-and-under team. This has become a bit of trend among these travel elite teams. They like to do this, and like many things, when one team does it, eventually they all sort of pick it up, and they start doing the very same thing. I said to the small group of people that I was chatting with at the time that I absolutely hate this trend. (laughs) I I don't like it. First off, I think it's stupid. They're 10. You know, they're 10. Beyond that, it's distracting, and it's disruptive. It's so completely unnecessary. But in picking my battles, this was not real high on my list of things that I thought I wanted to fight about. I disagree with the music. I think it's dopey. I think they ought to be teaching kids proper throwing mechanics, proper hitting mechanics, staying focused on the game, not worrying about what type of walk-up music you want, you know, in order to disturb the teams and fans on the neighboring fields and all those around you. Again, this is this is silly. It's not nearly as important or as much of a hot-button social issue as this. Margaret Court is a 74-year-old former Australian tennis star. Former tennis star, still Australian, I suppose. <laughs> Court retired in 1977. She has 24 Grand Slam titles, which is a record that still stands. She was interviewed by Vision Christian Radio this past week, which is a large Australian network of Christian radio stations and said that women's tennis is full of lesbians. Okay. Not really a surprise, I don't think. Right. Not newsworthy. Is this shocking to anybody? She also said that she would stop flying Qantas Airlines whenever it is possible due to the airline's support of same-sex marriage. Okay, whatever. Now one of the greatest tennis players of all time, Martina Navratilova, has written an open letter to criticize Court's comments about same-sex marriage and the LGBT community, and is asking that officials rename the the arena at Melbourne Park, which is named after court. Navratilova, it seems, would like tennis courts to no longer be called courts. She wants them to be called tennis Navratilovas. (laughs) Did you know that this is how tennis courts got their name, that they were named after Margaret Court? I did not know that. Because it's not true. They're not. Melbourne Park, the arena there is, but... See, I got you there. Here's the thing, though. What do you expect? What do you, you, you know, you're currently listening to a faith-based sports talk radio program. Hey, where do you think this conversation is going to go, though? Obviously, we're not going to be supportive of the agenda of the LGBT community. It doesn't align with our beliefs. So why would you be surprised by the comments of a 70-year-old pastor? She's now a pastor since retiring from tennis that this woman made to a Christian radio station. Not a surprise. I can guarantee that I do not agree with every aspect of life, of their lives, of every person who has something named after them. It shouldn't be JFK Airport, should it? After all, he was an alleged adulterer. You don't have to agree or disagree with everything a person does. You can agree with some things and disagree with some, but you can just leave it at disagreeing. You don't have to tear the person down or rename the stuff that's named after them. I get that this is probably a bigger deal in Australia. I mean, how many people have heard or even care about what this woman thinks? 
She's been retired from the game since 1977. She said it on a Christian radio station. What is there, like seven people who heard it outside Australia? <laughs> and I get that that's not the point. And many may be familiar there in Australia with who she is, but I guarantee, again, few people here in America or even Navratilova's native Czechoslovakia have any idea who Margaret Court is, let alone care what she thinks. In her letter, which was published by newspapers in Australia, Navratilova suggested that sporting venues should be named for a person's whole body of work and who they are as human beings. And I disagree. At least to an extent. Look, we're not going to be seeing O.J. Simpson Stadium anytime soon, regardless right. of how good he played on the field. But if people want to consider a person's body of work for everything that has something named after them, man, you're really opening up a can of worms because who's worthy? And yeah. by whose standards are we going by? And in women's tennis, is there a better body of work than Margaret Court's? She was a star tennis player who still holds the Grand Slam, most Grand Slam titles, and she has a tennis court named after her. I will say this. Navratilova's letter is extremely well written, and much of it, much of what she said, I respect. She wrote, when you were named after Margaret Court, it seemed like the right thing to do. She then went on to say that I had long ago forgiven Court for her headline-grabbing comments in 1990 when she said I was a bad role model because I was a lesbian. Good for her. And she's forgiven. She hasn't forgotten, and I'm okay with that. She also said that it is now clear exactly who Court is, an amazing tennis player, a racist, and a homophobe. I can't speak to the racism thing. This was had something to do with uh, apartheid in South Africa. She said that they handled that situation, and I assume by situation she means people of color, better than America and many other places. I, I, I don't know enough of that, about that to speak about it, but perhaps I'm misguided on the definition of the word homophobe, and admittedly, I'm a simple guy who sometimes gets tripped up by big words, but can I not disagree with someone's lifestyle? Does that automatically mean that I have some sort of phobia? Now, looking at things from the other side a bit, I do not think this is cause for renaming the arena. I do understand where Navratilova is coming from. I understand her position. She was clear. She was concise in expressing herself in her letter, and frankly, court says some things that I know where she's coming from, but yet I had to cringe because what she said sounds like the ramblings of some senile, out-of-touch cat lady. She said tennis is full of lesbians because even when I was playing, there was only a couple there, but those couple took young ones into parties and things. And, you know, what you get at the top is often what you'll get right through that sport. I'm still not sure what all that means, but... I understand this next comment she makes, but her words, they, they lack grace. They lack understanding. She said that she wasn't against gay people. Quote, we're here to help them overcome. We're not against the people. It's a love the sin or hate the sin thing, but mm -hmm. cool. I get that. But what too many believers seem to forget is what it's like to be blind as a result of their lack of faith. If you tell most people you're here to help them overcome, they're going to be offended. If you if you told me you're here to you're here to help me overcome my faith in Christ, I'm going to find that offensive, mm -hmm. and I do because it's actually something that's said quite a bit. Court also said regarding trans transgender children, excuse me, that's all the devil, and said that's what Hitler did and that's what communism did got the minds of the children. That's offensive. Yeah, 
Considering the source, the context of the interview, it's not surprising, but it's offensive. Bringing Hitler into it in a form mm. of comparison, it's just that never not, ends well. No, and it's not graceful. I understand what she's trying to say. I really do. And more is certain to come of this. A number of players have already hinted of a boycott against Margaret Court Arena at the Australian Open come next January. Never Tolova suggested in her letter, actually, that the arena be renamed in honor of Ivan Gulagong. Gulagong is a seven-times champion, Grand Slam champion, an Aboriginal Australian. Seems like a good choice. Mm-hmm. I hope it doesn't come to that. Never Tolova said, now there is a person we can all celebrate on every level. And, and there's the problem. There's my point. That truly can't be said of any of us because we're all sinful. If that were the case, every airport, every boulevard, every stadium would need to be renamed Jesus Christ Arena, King of Kings Boulevard, Alpha and Omega International Airport. <laughs> what she means by that comment is, this is a person we can all like because this person hasn't publicly disagreed with me. But I'm sure if you dug deep enough, there are things, and I get it. Like I said, this is a lot more important to people than their choice of music as a baseball game for walk-up music. But where is that line drawn? My point is, a 74-year-old pastor, So, I, and I keep referring to age because she's old school. Mm-hmm. You know, she's 74 at this point. She's set in her ways. She's That's not to say that she's necessarily right or wrong. Actually, I, I think she is right, but I also think she is wrong. She's right about her views. They line up with Scripture. But her delivery, her lack of grace, well, that leaves a little something to be desired. Now, whether we agree with them or whether we don't doesn't matter. Whether we like them or not doesn't matter. The fact is God gave us rules in his word. He gave us a law. They're not there because he's some sort of bully. They're there to protect us. The laws protect us by showing us what is wrong. We shouldn't have to be told what is wrong, but you know what? Sometimes we do. Many people lie. Many people have lust in their hearts. And some of these folks don't think these things are wrong. They've had it for so long. They've suppressed the guilt so long that they don't even think this thing is wrong. But the Bible tells us it's wrong. So that if you didn't know, well, now you do. Romans 7, 7 says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law, for I would not have known about coveting if the law had said, you shall not covet. Makes sense. But the law is not just for people who believe the Bible. Whether you believe it or not, doesn't matter. Whether you believe 55 miles an hour makes sense or not, doesn't matter. The Bible explains in Romans chapter 2 that the law applies to all people. Verse 15 of Romans chapter 2, it says, "...in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them." God gives us a conscience, a law which is written on our hearts. Your conscience often tells you when you've done something wrong. It can also tell you when you're right. Look, I, I don't feel guilty about this. I have a peace about this. The danger comes when, by continuing to ignore that conscience, it becomes seared. People are no longer aware of their sins. First Timothy chapter 4. You can go there to read about that. But the law remains nonetheless. It's there so that people know their sin and understand that they need to repent and make peace with God. 
The law protects us because our sin is there. The law reveals our guilt. We're guilty. Sinners have no place in heaven. They have no place with an innocent, a holy God. God gives us a conscience. He gives us a law that we might seek forgiveness, that we might seek justification. But every person has a battle with themselves. Our, our pride fights with the fact that we can't earn our own redemption from the cost of our sins. People think they're good enough to get to heaven on their own. I'm good enough. I do good things. I helped an old lady across the street once. Look at because of our sin and because of God's holiness, we're destined for hell. But pride tells us, just keep working. You're doing fine. Keep doing those good things. Peace with God is found only in Jesus Christ. In John 14, 6, Jesus declares, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's just the way it is. Eternal life in heaven can't be earned. It can't be found in anything apart from Jesus Christ. But here's the hope that we know, that we cling to, that we look to, and that's the love of God. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus gave his life on the cross to pay for those sins of yours and mine. He didn't stay in the grave. He rose again from the grave, defeated the power of death and hell. To be saved from the debt of your sins, you need to admit to God that you are a sinner. When you come to that place where you hear your conscience loud and clear and you know that you are a sinner, you need to you need to admit that to God. You need to repent of those sins. Turn away from them. Turn to a new lifestyle of seeking after what pleases God instead of what offends him. And you need to ask him to forgive you and to save you. Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. I wonder if God could be speaking to your heart today as you're listening to this. What's your conscience revealing to you? Are you able to admit that you are indeed a sinner in need of forgiveness? Have a talk with God. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to save you. I'm Rick Benson. Thanks for listening. As with anything you hear on our program, you can reach out to us through our website, through our studio line, btgprogram.com is where you can find us on the web. If there's anything we can do to help you learn more about being a Christian, or even if you want someone just simply to pray for you. And if God has spoken to you today, we, we'd really love to hear about it. We'd love to pray for you. Send us a note, allow us to pray for you. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. We'll be back right after this. and nutrition, sports missions, western sports, and sports ministry. We're spreading the gospel through sports. Watch us now at ramsportsnetwork.com or find us on the Roku Channel Store. Ram Sports Network.
more than a game. Do you know an athlete whose participation in athletics is vital to their college choice? Then consider telling them about Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We field 17 varsity sports and offer the only NCAA D2 program in Greater Rochester. Our teams have won six conference titles and reached three NCAA national championship appearances. Help the athlete you know to take their game to the next level. Visit roberts.edu. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson along with Zach Barletta, who's about to take us into this week's shenanigan statements. Take it away, Zach. All right. In addition to the huge spike in human trafficking that surrounds each Olympics, the recent report that slave labor has been used in the preparations for next year's games in Pyeongchang, South Korea, is proof that it's time to stop having the Olympic Games. I'm going to say shenanigans. I I don't think it's time to stop having them. I think it's time to stop moving them. There are countries that have the capabilities to protect the game's athletes and the spectators, and there are countries who are not prepared to to do that. Not everyone has the infrastructure necessary to be able to host the games. There is evil everywhere, and people will always look to take advantage, no matter what country you host it in, but there there are countries with significantly more than others. I think there's a handful in a rotation of maybe four or five cities. Why do you keep need to keep building new facilities mm-hmm. in a different country? I, I think a small rotation. I don't think you should end them. I think you should end moving them. Well, you know, I I agreed with the statement. I thought that it it is time to just stop having them. But you're kind of swaying me to your your way of thinking that you could just have a few specific locations that you reuse. I in addition to the human trafficking thing, which we've talked about on the show Very before. And then now the recent allegations of slave labor being used in Korea, there's also the fact that we've seen governments that can't afford to do what they're supposed to be doing. We saw in Rio just recently, there were kayakers running into couches in the river full of sewage, and there was safety concerns, and there was people getting sick, and and just all kinds of things. And they just were not prepared. They could not afford to do the job that they promised they would do. And, And it makes no sense, like you were saying, to spend all this money to build this huge Olympic infrastructure in a city, use it for a few weeks, and then it falls into disrepair. And so many, I've seen slideshows of pictures online of these Olympic sites that were beautiful, and now they're overgrown, nothing's there. Animals yeah, I've are seen them, them as well. So I would say either stop having them or do what you said and have them on a small rotation sites. A headline I saw this past week labeled the Predators versus Penguins Stanley Cup Final as David and Goliath. Truth or shenanigans, Nashville versus Pittsburgh is a mismatch. I agree, but I'm going to go first here because I'm sure you're going to dig deeper in the statistical matches matchups than I have. But, you know, I place in heavy emphasis on experience. The Penguins have it. The Predators do not. Plus, the Penguins are the defending champs. I think it would have been easier to pick them off earlier in the playoffs than it is now. At this point, they're going to roll through. I disagree with the statement. I think that it's not a mismatch. In fact, before the series started, I would have said it might be a mismatch the other way because I'm so high on Nashville. And it's unfortunate, like, as we're recording this, the, the Penguins have won the first two games already. So it looks like kind of How they won game two is beyond me. No. It's, they were completely outplayed. The Penguins are one of those teams that can be outplayed even as extremely as they were outplayed in the first game where for 38 minutes they didn't get a shot on goal and they somehow still won the game. But if you give them one little inch of ice, 
they'll take it and they'll score on you. And that's what we've seen them do. Get outplayed, get outplayed, take advantage of any mistake and win the game. Well, I think that comes with experience. But my um, my answer was that I don't think it's a mismatch, mismatch. I think it's pretty even. We saw that, you know, despite losing the first two games, Nashville has dominated them for long stretches. So I don't think it's a mismatch, and I also think the series is far from over. I would agree with that. I, just because the Penguins are up 2-0 as we record this, Nashville is a type of team that I think can get right back in it pretty quick. Absolutely. The LA Angels of Anaheim have won 26 out of their 54 games <laughs> with Mike Trout in the lineup this year. Now that he could be out for almost two months with a thumb injury, they won't win 50 games the rest of the year. I agree. They're awful. This is a flawed lineup. They have to rely now on a well-passes-prime Albert Pujols. I think through the first part of the season, the Angels played well above themselves just to get close to 500. Mm -hmm. Without Mike Trout carrying, they won't be anywhere close. Yeah, this was a tough one for me. They're a second-place team in the West right now. But they're in second place with a record that's below 500. I think it, them being in second place is obviously just a product of a weak division. Yeah, with the Mariners looked, and the Rangers playing the way they've played, both yeah. teams were supposed to be competitive. Neither has been. Yeah, and I, I like some of the pieces that the Angels have, but it just hasn't clicked. You know, I really like Cole Calhoun a lot, who's you know their their right fielder. But he, by the way, I like some of their pieces too, like Mike Trout. Yeah, yeah. I like that piece. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, Cole Calhoun, he, he's having a miserable year batting in front of Mike Trout in that lineup. Without Mike Trout behind him, I don't see how he's going to turn that around. Most of their pitching is hurt or ineffective. I just don't see how they win even 50 games the rest yeah, of the Yeah, they've day. won 26 out of 54. They'll finish with about 32. <laughs> <laughs> you might not be that far off. <laughs> Bryce Harper doesn't deserve to be suspended for charging the mound after Giants reliever Scott Strickland intentionally hit him with a 97-mile-an-hour fastball. I say shenanigans. You know what they say about taking the law into your own hands. Mm -hmm. Two wrongs don't make it right. He could have just gone down to first base and let the umpires in the league office take care of it, but his response was out of line. I know throwing his helmet skills were lacking, but... That could have really hurt somebody. Granted, so would a 97-mile-an-hour fastball. And I I think Strickland should basically be incarcerated for assault or attempted assault. I understand where Bryce Harper was coming from. I don't say I don't think it's right. I think Harper deserves to be suspended, but I think the bigger wrong is on Strickland. But I'm interested in what you think. Absolutely. Well, Strickland, I mean, what he did was payback for basically Bryce Harper being better than him two or three years ago in the playoffs. You know and Look, it gets news, it gets clicks, people watch the video of it when there's a fight like this. A, the fight was terrible. B, I saw one guy, sorry to interrupt, I saw one guy read an article where they were defending this as it was exciting. Mm -hmm. Somebody wrote that their kids actually watched baseball and loved it. If your kids are loving it because there was a fight... You're that you, you're doing a terrible job as a parent. Yeah, they, they might as well just watch fights on TV and skip all the boring baseball parts, right? But it's the same argument as the bat flips, right? Oh, I know it's a terrible thing, but it makes kids watch the game. Maybe they should just watch the game because baseball is awesome. But getting back to the topic at hand, I I understand being upset. I understand because I would be livid if somebody threw a 97 mile an hour fastball at me. But you're Bryce Harper, just. Hit a home run the next time up. You, he's done it so many times against Strickland that, you know, just get your revenge in the batter's box. That's what I would rather see, but I don't know. I agree. Last but not least, 
A poll this week on Pro Football Rumors asked the question, which rookie quarterback will have the most impact this NFL season? Brown's second-rounder Deshaun Kaiser was the runaway poll leader with over 44% of the votes, so truth or shenanigans, Deshaun Kaiser will be the top rookie quarterback by season's end. What do you think, Zach? I think he will. I don't think all this talk that Brock Osweiler has been a pleasant surprise in camp is fooling anyone, because Brock Osweiler (laughs) (laughs) is Brock Osweiler. And uh, look, Brock Osweiler is nothing special. At this point in his career, RG3 is nothing special. Deshaun Kaiser, I think, is. And I think the Browns are not going to have much to play for by midseason. I think he's going to get a lot of playing time. I think he's going to be good. You know, I said shenanigans, and I agree with you. Brock Osweiler is Brock Osweiler. But unless the talk is all smoke and mirrors, and it may very well be, the Cleveland Browns are praising him for what's going on in OTAs. I get it. It's OTAs. But they're high on this guy. I just wasn't sure that he was going to get the playing time behind Brock Osweiler. Well, I think he's got more upside than Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson only has Brandon Whedon and Tom Savage in front of him. Those are not exactly all pros. Yeah, I, I tend to think he's going to see starting time before Kaiser, but I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right. That's it for shenanigans. Thank you, Zach, for putting those statements together. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA. The NBA Finals are finally here. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Let me tell you about Town & Country Pest Solutions. They've been in business for nearly three very successful decades. They have the experience to tackle any pest problem. Covering Rochester, Syracuse, Buffalo, Albany, Watertown, any place that can pick up this radio station is somewhere Town & Country Pest Solutions takes on pests and critters of all kinds. Town & Country's technicians are friendly, professional, and most importantly, they're knowledgeable. Bees, wasps, roaches, ants, bats, mice, call Town & Country. Even raccoons or larger animals call Town & Country. Have a bed bug problem or just want to check and make sure that you don't have a bed bug problem? Call Town & Country. Early detection is key when it comes to bed bugs, so if you suspect a potential problem, call Town & Country Pest Solutions today. Town & Country's success rate and their guarantee are both well above industry average. Call Town & Country Pest Solutions today, 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024 and let their team of professionals handle whatever pest problem you may have. Or visit them online, townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. Join the Fellowship of Christian Athletes as they present Faith and Family Night Saturday, June 17th at Capelli Sports Stadium as the Rochester Rhinos take on the Ottawa Fury. Ticket prices start at just $15, with part of the ticket proceeds going to benefit the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. There'll be music featuring local Christian band Venerant and post-match testimonies, including that from Rochester Rhinos legend Doug Miller. So come on out and support your local FCA Saturday, June 17th, as the Fellowship of Christian Athletes presents Faith and Family Night at Capelli Sports Stadium. Game time is 6.05 p.m. Tickets can be purchased at the Rhinos box office or call 454-5425 or email tickets at rhinosoccer.com. Use code FCA because, remember, part of the ticket proceeds go to benefit the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. That's Faith and Family Night, Saturday, June 17th at Capelli Sports Stadium.
Rick Benson along with Zach Barletta. Recording the Beyond the Game program from Rochester, New York. BTGprogram.com or at BTG program. We want to welcome in those who may be listening from Maple Grove, Minnesota, just about 10 or 11 miles northwest of Minneapolis. Maple Grove is where the Beyond the Game program in its podcast form was downloaded most frequently this past week. Internationally, Tokyo, Japan and London, England continue to go back and forth, flip-flopping at the top of our most downloaded listing just ahead of Germany. Maple Grove, Minnesota is a hot spot of sorts for shoppers. It's the home of the Shops at Arbor Lakes, which is well known for its size, its many, many stores, and of course it's very trendy. It doesn't spell its name regular shops. It's the very cool S-H-O-P-P-E-S. Very cosmopolitan. Maple Grove is also the home of former wrestler and controversial Minnesota Governor Jesse Ventura. It's also the birthplace. By the way, that's a different cat. Yeah, I actually have been reading his book on the JFK assassination for research for my other show, and he is a crazy person. He's got some thoughts that are out there. He's Maple very entertaining. Gro- Maple Grove is also the birthplace of Carrie Henners, an excellent pole vaulter starred here in western New York at the University of Buffalo. Before moving to Los Angeles for high school, Monty Python's Terry Gilliam spent the first 12 years or so of his life in the Maple Grove area in the town of Medicine Lake. Gilliam, you may know, did the classic animations for the Python troupe, went on to become a director. Many people aren't aware of all, that all the members of the Python group weren't British. Gilliam, of course, being American. I never knew that. Thank you, Maple Grove, for listening and downloading the podcast. You can subscribe to find it on iTunes or visit our website, btgprogram.com. The NBA Finals are underway at last. The matchup everyone expected just seemed to take forever to get here, mm-hmm. but it's eventually arrived. Because both the Cavs and the Warriors just sort of easily dismissed everybody in their path, there was this long stretch of downtime between the semis and the finals themselves. We're just all sitting around waiting. I can't imagine the NBA was big on that. It kind of felt like he could have skipped the whole regular season and all the the divisional rounds and just gone right to this matchup, right? Like, we all knew it was coming. Exactly. And that's my point. Don't you think the NBA has a bit of a problem in that the regular season and even the playoffs were, as you say, kind of unnecessary because we all knew that this is where it was going to end up, the Cavs and the Warriors? I think when only a handful of teams have a legitimate shot at winning a title— uh, it's not It's not good for the league. I think what you really want is for everybody to at least have an outside chance. Mm-hmm. You might not expect your team to win the whole thing, but at least have an outside chance. Maybe one or two teams that are a little more dominant, not so dominant that you have no chance of beating them. But we also want one or two teams that are weaker than everybody else so we can laugh at them. Because mm-hmm. we all like to hate on that dominant team. and We all like to laugh at – and it doesn't have to be the same one every year – but if most teams have a legitimate shot and there's one or two on either end, I think that's best for the league. You want to believe, like I say, that your your team has a chance. You know, maybe everything would have to go right. For instance, you and I are in baseball. We're both Yankees fans. Mm-hmm. Now, you're a little higher on their chances this year than I am, but none of us really expect them to win the World Series. Although, if everything went right, everything fell in place there's at least an outside chance that it could be that it could happen. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> there is a chance. Yeah. <laughs> but who in the East was going to beat Cleveland? Nobody. 
Some people, myself included, got duped into buying into the Boston Celtics a little bit, but the Cavaliers walked right through them during the regular season or during the playoffs. Yeah, realistically, their chance was if LeBron and Kyrie Irving ran into each other and both got broken ribs. Like that was that your, was their chance. Yeah. yeah. And who in the West was going to top Golden State? The Spurs. The same thing happened to them. That happened mm-hmm. to Boston. They got freight trained. And injuries to Isaiah Thomas, injuries to Kawhi Leonard are not the reason those teams got rolled. Sure, it didn't help, of course, obviously. But the Cavs and the Warriors were on a collision course since day one, and everybody knew it. I want to say that perhaps basketball, because there's only five guys on the court at one time, maybe that game could be more impacted by just one or two great players than the other sports. Not like football, where you have 11 guys on offense, 11 guys on defense, plus Mm -hmm. special teams. It's easier for the NBA to become top-heavy as it is. But then you have the 76ers, which take the air right out of that theory. (laughs) Because how many draft choices have they had towards the top of the draft in recent years? And yet, they're still awful. Are they the Cleveland Browns of the NBA? You know, they probably (laughs) are. Although, I think the Browns have a brighter future than the 76ers. Probably true. And you can't buy championships either. The Knicks have proved that. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't. You can go get brand name players. Although in the Knicks case, they tend to get brand name players who are on the downside of their prime years. But brand name players don't equate the championships. I've always disliked that argument when it comes to the Yankees. When people are talking about the oh, they just bought their championships. When did they buy a championship? In the seventies, maybe, maybe, but mm-hmm. certainly not the nineties. And how many how many championships did they actually buy? If you're going to say that they bought those seventies teams. Two, the 90s teams, that core of that Yankee team were all farm system. You put a Wade Boggs around them, a Cecil Fielder, a Chili Davis. They all had roles. I, I just don't buy that. And, and by the way, so what? You'd, wouldn't you rather have an owner who's investing in quality, putting a winning product out on the field rather than just taking your money year after year and being content to put a mediocre product. I don't want to root for that kind of team. What I've always said when I when a fan of a small market team kind of attacks what the Yankees do, I always answer them with, well, if your owner went out and spent $200 million and signed a top free agent, would you be upset about it? Of the course not. Is they wouldn't. They would be oh. completely thrilled because when it's your team, you're okay with it. Yeah, they're going to put this mediocre team out there. And then complain about the teams that invest in quality players. It doesn't make any sense. And But there is so much more to it than just assembling great pieces. Those pieces have to fit, which brings it right back to the Cavs and the Warriors. They've assembled pieces that fit. I've always thought that Kevin Love was somewhat of an odd piece. We've talked about it, Zach, there in Cleveland. I, I thought for sure he'd end up playing somewhere else because he always seemed like what was an outsider on LeBron James's team. LeBron James. <laughs> you know, James had his inside core. Love always seemed on the out, but it's working. Mm-hmm. And the Warriors signing Kevin Durant, even though some may have questioned that fit, well, that's clearly working as well. And now there's a report this week that Durant would be willing to take less money to be able to keep this core intact. And I'm not going to go through the details of all the hows and whys this would work, but should Durant do that, it would allow the Warriors to give Steph Curry one of those super max contracts that they negotiated in the most recent bargaining agreement and also keep guys like Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston around. They'd be in a position to compete for several years, at least in the immediate future. And many people have killed Durant for signing with the Warriors. But how do you blame a guy for taking a job that he believes is the best situation for he and his family? 
You can't. I mean, I get it. He left Oklahoma City. They have absolutely really no shot without him. But look around. How many people today in any walk of life remain with the same company with which they started so many years earlier? It doesn't happen. Those gold watch retirement gifts are rarely given. Durant, by contrast, he's thrown himself into the community there in the Bay Area. And I don't know if you know this, but he's gotten involved with a number of businesses. He's thrown himself in the community. He said on a number of times that he intends to stay with the Warriors for a long time. And, you know, you think of some free agents and they they rent a house. And the only time they're in town in whatever city they're with the team they signed in is they're there for work. Mm-hmm. Any break in play, any break in the schedule, they're heading home. They're not. They're not there. I can't blame somebody for shopping for a better opportunity for themselves. If there's a chance to move forward, create a better situation for you and your family, well, that's great. We live in a consumer society. We shop for from everything for garbage service to phone plans. We even shop for churches. Unfortunately, though, I think many people do this with a real lack of integrity, without class. Oftentimes, it's not that people are looking for a church more aligned with their doctrinal beliefs. It's more for what makes them feel good. I'm not convicted under this certain pastor. He never he never really preaches the Bible. It just tells me all the things we want to hear. So I want to go there. Heck, if it's trendy enough or if the coffee's good enough, there are a number of people who would even compromise some of those doctrinal beliefs that, which they once held. Even more troubling, I suppose, is that many don't even know or hold to any doctrinal beliefs. For all they know, the only thing that makes one church different than another is the type of music they play or the brand of coffee they serve. Now, understand, I'm not saying being comfortable isn't important. Of course it is. I have no objection if an individual prefers a certain type of service or is spurred more into a spirit of worship by a a particular style of music as compared with another. If your spirit is lifted by the way a particular church does things as compared to another, praise the Lord, go there good fit. But that's only if all things are equal. You need to know your Bible well enough to know if you're not being taught Bible. Ephesians 4.14 warns against not growing spiritually, remaining so childlike in the faith that you're not learned enough to, to discern false teaching. And perhaps it's not even intentional or deceitful by the teacher. It's simply they don't know their Bible well enough either. They have really no business teaching Bible. But nobody else stepped forward, so they did, and they're doing the best they can, but they're teaching you wrong. And yet you want to go there because you like the brand of coffee they serve? Ephesians 4.14 says, So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Second Peter 3.17 and 18 You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Be careful you're not being taught the wrong things. Would you know it if you're being taught the wrong things? Some people search for a church that maybe has a relaxed schedule. It's very convenient for them. Some look for a church that has certain activities, maybe some fun things to do. Those things are fine. But if you don't get substantial biblical teaching, you end up feeling empty. You end up feeling wanting. There are people who never really commit to any particular church, instead choosing to bounce around, enjoying one speaker one week, 
maybe being part of an event somewhere else the following, you got to realize that you have a part, not only in the body of Christ itself, but you have a part in the local church. You have something to offer. If you're a believer in Christ, the moment you became a believer, God gave you a spiritual gift. You need to use that gift. You need to use it by investing in a local group and becoming rooted in that body and loving those people. My challenge to you is to be deeply rooted in your church, to be fully invested, to be fully involved, making a difference in the lives of others and letting them make a difference in in your life. Like a family. Don't just be someone who shows up, is entertained, but never engaged. The strength of a church is the people of God working together. Philippians 2.2, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. You wouldn't abandon your spouse. You wouldn't abandon your children, or at least I hope you wouldn't, because they said or did something you didn't like, or because they didn't agree with you about everything imaginable. That's how church is supposed to be. People committed to working together to get past their differences, to accomplish the work God has called them to do. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. I want to encourage you to be committed, to be involved with a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church, not just sitting in a pew hearing nice things. It's good to be unsettled sometimes. Get plugged into a small group at your church. Hopefully, your church has those. Find someone to pour into, someone to invest in, and find somebody who will do the same for you. Jesus said to make disciples, and that's how it's done, by investing in others. Thanks for being with us. we got more to do, so please do stick around. Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Join the Fellowship of Christian Athletes as they present Faith and Family Night Saturday, June 17th at Capelli Sports Stadium as the Rochester Rhinos take on the Ottawa Fury. Ticket prices start at just $15 with part of the ticket proceeds going to benefit the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. There'll be music featuring local Christian band Venerant and post-match testimonies including that from Rochester Rhinos legend Doug Miller. So come on out and support your local FCA Saturday, June 17th as the Fellowship of Christian Athletes presents Faith and Family Night at Capelli Sports Stadium. Game time is 6.05 p.m. Tickets can be purchased at the Rhinos box office or call 454-5425 or email tickets at rhinosoccer.com. Use code FCA because remember, part of the ticket proceeds go to benefit the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. That's Faith and Family Night, Saturday, June 17th at Capelli Sports Stadium. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. And now it's time for The Most Awesome Thing I Saw This Week. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of the team. I don't believe what I just saw. Yes, that's awesome. 
The most awesome thing I saw this week was the Game 2 quote-unquote fight during the Stanley Cup playoffs between the Predators P.K. Subban and Evgeny Malkin of the Penguins. Obviously, after Pittsburgh lit it up with three goals and, and the Predators had their star goaltender pulled, the Predators were pretty deflated, obviously maybe a little frustrated, which leads to Saban deciding to drop the gloves with Malkin after play had stopped for a whistle. Now, look, it's the Stanley Cup final. We all know that two stars aren't going to be mixing it up hardcore. But come on, this was this was laughable. It was just aggressive hugging. It really was. If you didn't see it, it was really two guys just, well, doing exactly what Zach just said. They were hugging, swinging left to right in an overly animated type of hug. And I thought it was awesome because it was just so humorous to see, although I didn't understand the purpose of it. I mean, you didn't send any type of message with this kind of fight. There wasn't any intimidation. If you're frustrated, hugging your opponent is going, isn't going to make you feel any better. I, at least I wouldn't think anyway. All I can figure is that they expected a teammate or maybe the refs to step in to stop things before it got started. When they didn't, they really had no choice but to lock arms and to do something. Run away! Run away! Malkin acknowledged just how pathetic it was. It's a bad fight. We hold each other for a minute. I don't want to fight with Subban. He approached me after the whistle and I'm upset. And I come to him and Subban come to me. It's fine. I forgive him. I wish I could hear this in the <laughs> Russian accent because that would just be outstanding. It would. First John 2.5 says, But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. Richard Sherman of the Seattle Seahawks has been both controversial and a bit of a lightning rod throughout his career, but love him or hate him, he's what I like this week. And we all know he can do a lot of trash talking, but the graduate of Stanford is a man of his word, according to a story this week which says he is personally paying for college tuition for one young student. Hershey James from Richmond, Virginia, reportedly met Sherman at some sort of awards benefit, where Sherman promised to give her a personally funded college scholarship if she made the honor roll as a senior, which is exactly what James did. Sherman has been true to his word and is quoted as saying that it goes back to knowledge is power. And if you have knowledge, you're going to be as powerful as you ever want to be. James is slated to attend Norfolk State University in the fall while she is planning to study business. Richard Sherman's generosity and his integrity in keeping his word is what I like this week. You like that? You like that? What I like this week was the news that Nicole Anderson is cancer-free. Yeah. You may remember that early in the NHL season, Ottawa Senators goalie Craig Anderson was away from the team at a few different points to be with his wife, Nicole, as she was undergoing treatment for cancer. And she recently posted uh, over the past week that she is now officially cancer-free. And that is what I liked this week. You like that? That's it for us. Thanks to you for being with us. This has been the Beyond the Game program. Be sure to check out the Myth and Mysteries podcast. If you enjoy myths, curious stories, and unsolved mysteries, then you'll appreciate this podcast. Zach here does it with his brother. Myth and Mysteries, available on iTunes and Google Play. Visit their website, mythandmysteriespod.com. Thanks again for being with us. Please consider partnering with our ministry of sharing the gospel through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website for more information, btgprogram.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week, right here at this same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. <laughs>